progress came and took its toll and in the name of flood control they made their plans and they drained the land now the glades are going dry and the last time i walked in the swamp i sat up on a cypress stump i listened close and i heard the ghost of osceola cry The opinions expressed on Tomahawk Talk do not reflect that of WVFS Tallahassee. From the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole Sports, this is Tomahawk Talk. I'm your host, Luke Fay. Florida State played a complete game for the first time all season, dominating the North Carolina State Wolfpack. The state of California will pay athletes starting in 2023. Raiders linebacker Vontez Perfect has been suspended for the rest of the regular season for another dirty hit. Did the NFL get it right? Will the NCAA sue California? Has Florida State finally turned a corner? All coming up on Tomahawk Talk. So here we go. Turn up the dial and fire up the telephone lines at 850-644-1837. I am joined by my co-host, of course, Gary Putnick. Gary's had a long weekend. Gary, how are you doing this week? I'm doing well. I remember to turn on the other three mics this week, so we're doing even better than last week. Hey, you know, only only progress. The Marlins finished up on a high note. What do you think of that? It's great. They end up with a win in Philly. They they tried to blow it at the end, but Miguel Rojas got his first win as a player manager yesterday. So, hey, maybe he can take over when Mattingly's done. Uh, maybe, maybe. And to my right, Nick Carlisle, the former host of Tomahawk Talk. How's it feel sitting over in that that guest seat for the first time in what almost two years almost two years well it's definitely less comfortable uh downgrading <laughs> from host to, to panelist uh you definitely lose the benefit of the the comfy seating but you know i'm i'm very happy to be back I, i've heard great things about what you're doing with the show so uh, i'm ready to talk some sports with y'all it's been a while oh great great to have you i know you texted me a couple of weeks ago and i said of course we'll get you on i know we've got a We've got a squeaky chair over there to, to bring over. We'll probably try to switch up some chairs for you, maybe maybe get you a little <laughs> bit more comfortable like the good old days. And Christian Chavez, of course, to my yeah. right. Christian worked for Seminole Productions this weekend and uh, yeah. was sporting some great pants I saw on the sideline. Kind of oh, yeah. interesting there. They're, uh, my freshman year roommate, He brought he's from Thailand, so he uh, he bought me those pants. And honestly, I'm going to tell you something. Those are the most comfiest pants 
that I have. And like, I was so happy. I actually got stopped by security because like, she was like, uh, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm just going to the field because I'm breaking down. The game's over. Doing that. She's like, do you see what you're wearing? Do you really think I'm going to let you on the field? Like, do you really work here? I'm like, I do. I'm telling you, I literally look at my credential. I have it. I, I, I looked, <laughs> I looked straight at you and I went, what are you wearing? But people, what people don't know is you work in a very cold room. Um, it's like literally 30 degrees in there like yeah so, you go outside and you're like people from outside want to come inside because it's so cold in there and, yeah. like, i know they they got to keep it for the technology and everything pants? i did not they're, see they were pajama pants. they were oh, pajama no, pants they're, they're elephant yoga pants that's what they're called yeah okay. gary they're <laughs> elephant yeah. yoga hey, pants it's the technical me. name okay All right, let's get to the sports <laughs> talk here levitard uh well, Florida State, they, they finally looked the part, guys. 31-13 to against NC State. If you go and look at look back at the picks, uh, I believe I had 31-17 to as, as my pick, Florida State. So probably the closest one. That That's that's pretty good in, in my own right. But you you got to give it up to Alex Hornibrook. The, this was, and I think Nick told me, so, someone told me on in the third quarter, this was the first time Florida State had scored a touchdown all year. And Alex Hordingbrook coming in relief for James Blackman, it looked really well, especially given, Gary, that James Blackman was suited up to start up until 30 seconds before the game. People thought, oh, you know, he's the guy, and then Alex Hornibrook comes out. Yeah, I saw Blackman come out as the captain for the coin flip, and I was like, oh, wow, Blackman's actually going to be starting this game because there were obviously they, the coaches and everyone kept leading us on that who we don't know who's starting. Who knows? It could be Blackman. It could be Hornibrook. If Blackman's healthy, he's playing. So... They kept everyone in the dark, but Hornibrook stepped up. I, Hornibrook knew, obviously, probably going into that week or into the weekend that he'd be getting the starting job. Florida State jumped out to a 17-16 to lead at halftime, and I think that everyone knows Florida State has led all four games and now all five games at halftime, but given up that lead um, in the third and fourth quarter. This was a different story, Nick. What was the difference in this game? Well, it was really just... I guess it's an above-the-head thing for Florida State at this point. They were really mentally tough in this game, and you saw it on two back-to-back drives. I think it was four sacks in those two drives, and it looked like everything was spiraling apart. It looked like everything was spiraling apart early. Mm -hmm. But I I can't necessarily say it was one thing overall in the game, but I think the work of Jim Levitt with the defense was really the biggest factor in what kept this defense most importantly so together and what kept NC State from coming back from multiple touchdowns like every other team has done so far this season. And it really does start at the beginning of the game if you guys notice that Florida State got those three and outs which they've been they've been trying to get all season. They've been hampered. This is the first game without Jaden Woodby. Uh, the the first game, uh, Janarius Robinson went out in the second half with a targeting call. Florida State has been down. Josh Kando is out for the season. There are a lot of injuries, but finally, it looked like a complete game by the linebacking and, and defensive uh, core. Yeah, I mean, Amari Gaynor, I mean, he was a four-star recruit, and it was sad to see that, I mean, his freshman year, he had that broken foot, but he came back. He had two sacks. He had 2.5 sacks for a loss, and then in six total sacks. I mean, he showed up big time for this Florida State defense. I mean, and he, I mean, rightfully so. He's a rookie uh, rookie of the week for the ACC. That that it, Florida State had three three uh, top ACC performers. Yeah. I know Gary has been all on top of that. And Gary, do you want to you want to talk about the top performer for Florida State? Who, who who was the top performer for you? Oh, the top performer for me was Alex Hornibrook, of course. The man showed up again. I know the O-line didn't play their best game, but he made do with what they gave him. And it was really impressive to see him come out there and perform the way he did because 
you didn't you weren't sure if you were going to get the same thing again this week if you were an FSU fan from him because sometimes maybe the, the tape gets out on a certain guy in a certain system and he's, he was able to weather the storm and get them through it. It was his first career game throwing over 300 yards, which is an incredible stat. Thinking, thinking back all the way to Wisconsin, he, he had taken a team to an Orange Bowl win. And to, to come to Florida State and see that that was your first game throwing over 300 yards, he looked good, Gary, but also there, there were some times where there, there were problems. With, with his footwork and questionable passes. Well, I'm going to say that was all a result of the pocket collapsing way too early than expected. But also, he had to play the way he did if Florida State wanted to win this game. Because what Jalen, from the technician from NC State, was telling us last week, the one goal of the Wolfpack was to stop the run. And they did that for the most part, for the majority of the game. They, they held Cam Akers to nothing, pretty much, the whole time. And Hornibrook did what he had to do. He, he had actually 22 yards going into the third quarter, by the way. Mm-hmm. Cam Akers. Yeah. Cam Akers, yeah. he had 22 yards going into the third quarter, and then that's when he blew up for, what do you have, 86 well, yards to then? Mm-hmm. Well, Alex Hornibrook had minus 40. Um, I think it was so minus 48. At some it was point. minus 40. I wanted, <laughs> yeah, he, he was yeah, averaging yeah. over five yards, negative five yards a carry, which is pretty bad. But, Nick, looking, looking at this offense, it was a little bit of a setback for the offensive line, allowing eight sacks, but you still torch the other team. Yeah, but you also need to think about who you're facing in this situation. NC State has perennially had a great defensive line. You think most recently Bradley Chubb, who's actually, I believe, he got done for the season uh, for Denver, uh, which is horrible for him. But he's he was one of the people, one of the players, rather, that absolutely devastated Florida State a couple years ago. NC State has always had a great defensive front. And the Florida State offensive line, although they have played well up to this point, you got to keep it in the back of your head. They're just okay at the yeah. end of the day. So, you know. We talk about Alex Hornibrook. We talk about James Blackman, whether or not it would have made a difference. Either quarterback would have performed well, I think, obviously. Eight sacks isn't going to do you know, too much for your offense in, in this point, but you know, you're still able to torch the other team because your playmakers are really that good. Uh, Ontario Wilson really show, uh, showed out in this game, and Tamari and Terry, they actually played together in high school uh, in Ashbourne, Georgia, which I thought was really cool. I mean, they caught all uh, touchdowns from Hornibrook in this game. So, I mean, you ride on your playmakers. Uh, you ride on Acres when he has the running room, which obviously he did get a little bit more running room when uh, NC State just couldn't couldn't defend the pass late in the game. So, you know, obviously offensive line did necessarily take a step back, but again, you like I said at the beginning, you need to think about who you're facing in this situation. Are you are you worried that Alex Hornibrook, if if he starts against Clemson, now that's that's way down the road, but are you worried there were a couple of those passes that even made the press box scratch their head and go what what was that he completed one of them in the fir- first quarter of about 15 yards yeah but to Keith were, Gavin which yeah. should have been that I, I that think I tweeted out that yeah. works about negative five percent of the time and, but he did it he did it about three times and got away with it when you play a better defense that's got to be something that really really the coaches go back on film and say don't ever do that yeah and, and that's something that I think Alex Hornibrook knows if you looked at what he said in his post-game press conference. I mean, he's always had the reputation of being an extremely hard worker, but he was talking already about taking some of those sacks instead of throwing it or throwing the ball away instead of taking those sacks in general. So I think that, you know, even though the Clemson defensive front is going to be his biggest challenge of the year if he does start and it's not Blackman that starts, um, it's going to be another one of those games I think that we saw with uh, NC State this past weekend. Do you think, uh, Christian, that Matt... McKay was pulled too early for NC State. He lasted only two drives before they brought in Bailey Hockman. Um, 
Well, Bailey Hockman, yeah. uh, Bailey Hockman coming into the game, that's got to be a little psychological for Florida State. I, I, mean, w- I was yeah, kind of just like... I don't think it works psychologically because the FSU players, I would assume they probably did not like that he did jump ship. So they may be playing with a little vengeance almost. But we heard we heard prior to the week that when, when Jalen called in, he said that Bailey Hockman was going to get a series. He said at least one. Yeah, he at least one, one series. But... Gary, was was it was it a little bit premature to only give two series to the starting quarterback before you you yank the plug? I think it is. Yeah, you gotta stick with your. If he is your guy coming into the game into the season, you gotta show a little bit more trust in him. I know you. He has. A, he goes. He starts out a little bit shaky, but that could just be some jitters right there playing in a different stadium in a, a bigger away game. I know he played in West Virginia. West Virginia is big, but it's it's really his first conference game. Like, real conference game. And he kind of just... You got to warm up to it a little bit. Yeah, and he... Dorian didn't really let him do that. So it was just weird, in my opinion. I thought he was hurt for a second because I was watching from the stand, so I didn't hear anything. Nick, with with Bailey Hockman, what... Why? Why do you think they turned to him so quickly? What was he just on such a tight leash, McKay? Well, no, I also think that just as I made the point before, it's a psychological thing. You got to think that Bailey Hockman would have been comfortable at least in front of this crowd, even mm-hmm. though the the boos and the jeers are coming at you this time instead of listening uh, to them uh, rattling the opposing defense. You got to have an area of com- uh, an era of or excuse me an aura of comfortability when it comes to playing like that. So Bailey Hockman, he's been here before. I mean, he was on campus for what two years. He understands yep. uh, everything that's going on, and I think that's probably why they let him go in so early. Looking back on the performance, Gary, did the offensive line for NC State let Bailey Hockman down, or was he just not good? I don't think they let him down at all. What, they only gave up one sack. Is that right? I think Early's, two. I think two or three. Still, that's that's. But he he was he he was how he was getting crushed. There was yeah. a targeting penalty on him every single play. He was getting crushed. Yes. Yeah, he was getting crushed, but still, that's if the quarterback has the time to get the ball out. I don't know how much of the O line's fault it is for that. So I mean, that's I mean, it could go both ways. You could be talking about that for Hornybrook as well, but I still think Hockman didn't play his best game. Well, well, well let's let's look back at at Alex Hornybrook. So before the game, it was thought that James Blackman was going to start for the fifth straight game. Mm-hmm. And as someone who's had a bone bruise on the top of his knee, I know that it takes two weeks for you to have full extension of your knee. I thought it was pretty ridiculous. Now I'm not a professional athlete. And, uh, you know, I don't get that type. You're of, not going through. Yeah, I'm not going through that that, that type of. <laughs> You're not freezing your feet off. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm not going through that type of uh, rehab. But I do know what the feeling feels like. And there was no reason. There was no reason for him to play against NC State, knowing that you have Clemson coming up. But what I saw on Twitter was very interesting, in that they all believe there were there were people who believe that Alex Hornibrook earned the right to start the game against Clemson. Gary? Uh, I don't think I don't think he did. We said it last week. If once uh, Blackman's healthy, the job is still his. He's still the heartbeat of that team for the most part. But I wanted to go jump over to something else because I know you've said it multiple times that Hornybrook cannot throw a football over 15 yards, and he did not once but twice, two touchdowns over four, 40 yards or more. What do you got to say about that, Luke? You had to know I, this I guess, was coming. You had to know this it, was coming. 
Come hey, on, it's man. not. You know that Gary's looking for blood. You know, you know. Well, we all know that ducks are out of season. So well, wait till yeah. Clemson. I think they're uh, in season. Uh, uh, uh. But also the the one to, the touchdown to Terry that was in Hornybrook. That was Terry who who gave him the forty yards. The stats say, the stats say forty three yards. The, I believe. The stats will if say you, stuff. If you don't see it, it's there are no in the air. There are no good quarterbacks <laughs> without good receivers. All right. This so is true. you know we 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 can but, go. But you need someone to get the ball to the receiver first. He did have that throw on a dot. Terry, the one throw. on Terry was very good. <laughs> I'll say this: like he, Alex Hornibrook did play well, but for the people who believe that he should start, they're they're ludicrous. Just off of a couple of plays where he threw off his back foot, just lobbing it up. Just off of those, you know, James Blackman isn't going to do that. He'll probably take it. I would rather a quarterback pay, take a sack in that in that instance. But Nick should. Should the Knowles feel a little bit more comfortable now that Alex Hornibrook can perform if James Blackman can't go against Clemson? I still believe that Blackman will be fine. Oh, this is the most comfortable that Florida State has been in a long time when it comes to QB death. Uh, I mean, you think of uh, J.J. Constantino from a uh, couple of years ago. I mean, everybody uh, grunts and groans. Buddy. Like, that's not real quarterback depth. This is real quarterback depth. And, you know, this is why you brought him in. This is why you brought him in. Exactly. And, you know, you talk about, well, whether uh, Alex Hornibrook deserves the starting job or not. James Blackman hasn't done anything to lose that. I mean, you think mm-hmm. about the offense that Florida State is putting up, and especially in comparison to last year, they put up 30 plus points in four out of their five games thus far. The offense is working. So it doesn't necessarily matter who you have at quarterback at this point. But ja- James Blackman has not done anything to lose the starting position. Christian, what are your thoughts? I see. I'm. I'm all for Hornybrook just because, like, I Blackman, he's a good player. He's the heart of the team. He has that spirit to, like, keep that team together. But when it comes to actual football players, like, look at the size between the two. Mm-hmm. Alex Hornybrook looks like a football player. Literally, like, uh, Blackman is a twig. Essentially, yeah. he's a twig. They're so, about they're about the same height, but Alex Hornybrook has about 40 pounds on him. I, I can see it, but don't. My problem is you could be a prisoner of the moment just going with Alex Hornibrook. What does that do? I know the players know who the best player on the team is when it comes to the quarterback position, but to me, Alex Hornibrook, he 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 still there's a reason why he isn't at Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean, and there's obviously that like those bad passes that he was doing, the bad like reads that he was having, but like. When it comes to pressure, because that offensive lineman, co- uh, offensive line can only hold so much. So when whenever there's a lot of pressure going into the quarterback, I mean, you want someone who's big who can get out of there quicker and just like get it's pretty much get a few yards. Well, for that, Horn- well for Hornibrook leaving Wisconsin, do you think it was more of the system wasn't fit for Hornibrook at Wisconsin, or I mean, because I think he's he seems to be a lot more comfortable with this system that Bryles has him, and then he was at Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean his record shows for. I mean he was twenty six and what was it twenty six and nine with Wisconsin or eight something like that. Very, no, he had a very good record yeah. there, but still like getting getting the job or losing the job to Cone over there. I mean, maybe Cone was obviously Cone was the better fit. Looking at it now, how now that they've beaten Michigan at Wisconsin, but hmm. I think Hornibrook fits in this one better than he did in Wisconsin. So it could all turn out well for FSU. I, I want to jump over to the, the running back position. And, Gary, you, you mentioned in the middle of the game, Cam Akers at one point had about, I think it was five rushing yards. Well, the entire team had zero yeah. rushing yards heading into halftime. Yeah, so. it, it was of not, course, that was net oh, yardage because half of yeah. that was taken away by Hornibrook sacks. But, yeah. but, but <laughs> it, it was not good. Cam Akers finally got bottled up, and he didn't have too, uh, very good of a game. But as Nick said, North Carolina State is known for having a good defensive line. And that's something that you're going to run into 
with Clemson, who Clemson, all four of their defenders are gone on the line, but you know that they're stacking up with the five stars, uh, just putting them right back in. My problem right now is if you look at the stats, Cam Akers has 115 carries this season. That's over 20 yards a carry, or that's over 20 carries a game. The next the next running back to have uh, next closest running back to him is Kalen Laburn, and he has 17. That is inexcusable. It's 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 a one dimensional running back core where you go and look at Laburn and his yards per carry is is fairly similar to Cam Akers, but where is the disconnect where Bryles or uh, or Taggart does not want to use a second running back because you got to look at the mileage. Cam Akers is going to run out of mileage. Yeah. Once again, I we say this every single week, and I'm gonna say it again. Labor needs more touches, and that's just facts. Like I don't, I think we've, I think we're gonna set a record this year for saying that phrase. I don't know if you guys feel the same way about this. No, like, I understand. No, I I agree as well. I mean, it, you can understand maybe a little bit of concern because the Laburn's injury was extremely serious, but at some point, I mean, Laburn had the fortune of going out extremely early in the year. So he's had extra time to recover going up to the season. I've been saying it, and apparently you guys have been saying it as well. I mean, at this point, it's almost like Bryles is restricting himself by removing a playmaker from the field by not using Laybourne. And it does not make any sense to me because this guy is extremely talented. I understand he's explosive. He's dynamic, and he can make plays. But K-Makers, you know, there is that RB1 mentality, but... It doesn't mean that you can't have a lightning and thunder punch, and that's exactly what Cam Akers and Laburn can be. It just does not make sense. It's the one thing about Bryles' system so far that has not made sense and has not looked good to me. Yeah, like it would make sense if like you said, okay, we'll keep him to like anywhere between ten to twelve carries a game, but he's not even getting. He's barely touching five. He's a, he got three last game. So, wh- like, is it, it it's ever scrap yardage? It's, it's nothing. Yeah, is it ever? It's, I don't think it's ever going to change if we're five games in now or whatever. Yeah, I mean, you got to look at it like this. I mean college football players, all they're trying to do is get into the NFL. So if Akers, realistically, he's going to the NFL soon. So it's like you need gone. to... Yeah, no, he is gone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you need to start working in your, like, second second string, third string, start getting him in because you can't rely on him. It Like, you can't you rely on him to do everything. Himself, I'm surprised himself he hasn't gone up to him and said, guys, you know, I'm, I, I'm getting crushed out here. I, I can't yeah. have 25, 30. He's not built like a Jonathan Taylor to take those 25, 30 carries a game. Every every single game because seventeen. If you just look at it, you just look at it right now. He has hundred and fifteen carries. That's ninety eight more carries than Kalen Laburn. Is Kalen Laburn really that worse of a player? Where you go, yeah, I can't even give him the ball. I I I just I don't know if they don't understand what a second running back is. Have you? They haven't even done very many split sets with them. No, doing and 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 you think about all the hype uh, surrounding Kalen Laburn's return this season. It was uh, it was astronomical. Everybody wanted to know, Kalen, how how's the knee? How's the leg? How are you? How are you feeling? Are you ready for this upcoming season? Do you think that you can perform at the same level? Everybody was really looking forward to seeing that and he's been absolutely nowhere to be seen i can understand about maybe saving yourself for the next year but this right now what kendall browse is doing by removing kalen from the 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 playbook is this is how guys get into the transfer portal i I was just about to bring that up is it's been well documented that kalen has not been very happy with the usage at florida state when he was a freshman he wanted to play right away they redshirted him the last year he got his injury and just he looked he looked phenomenal before the injury and then afterwards kind of he, he fell into a, a little bit of a state of where am I and then yeah. this year he's finally back and healthy and once again there's another coach 
who says, you know, you aren't good enough. We aren't going to use you. He's the type of guy that takes that takes that personally. And I know that Cam Akers is going to be gone. He, he is not coming back. He's going to the NFL, if, if you just look at it from that way. Get that money. But Kalen Laburn, do not be surprised, even if now if Cam Akers is gone, he'll be slated as number one, that he just says, you know what? I'm going to leave as well. He'll have to sit out a season, but he I would not be surprised next year if he is gone and, and with another program. And then where does that leave you with running backs? Because Florida State did not get a running back last year. And I, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, did they get a running back the year before? I know that last year they didn't even get a I'm wide receiver sure. or running back in the recruiting I'm not sure. class. Yeah. So imagine this. You've got a, a very bad offensive line, a quarterback that's okay, all right, uh, wide receivers, and no solid running back, Florida State could take a very big step back next year. I mean, Laburn's going to feel like he's just like the backup, and he's or not the backup, he's just going to feel like he's the guy that, oh, we're going to settle for you next year. It's like, oh, so now that Cam Akers is gone, you're now you're saying I'm the number one guy? It's like, no, I mean, I he, he should be treated like he's talent, like how you talented he is. You give him at least, he, he, I, I really want to look up the the – Around the country, how many uh, second or backup running backs have 15 or less carries? Because this is unbelievable. I, I guarantee you, Jonathan, whoever Jonathan Taylor's backup is, has has more carries than Kalen Labor. Yeah, I was just about to say that's the one place where you could probably find the significant drop off in carries. But maybe Dobbins at Ohio State too. Yeah, that too. That's another good one. But it's why, like, why? Like, it's just it's it's mind boggling, honestly. So I just. I have no more to say on that. Like, I got nothing. There's just why. <laughs> the The defense stepped up this week, but if you look at them overall, they're ranked 80th or worse in eight out eight of the 11 categories headed into the game. Now, uh, I read that wrong. I read that completely wrong. <laughs> Sorry. Eight of the 11 heading into the game, they were ranked horrible. Now, it's only three of 11. It's a, it's a big step forward, but what can Florida State do in this bye week to, to make the defense that much better headed up for Clemson when Clemson struggled last week against North Carolina State. Glue their hands. <laughs> put, put glue in their hands. I mean, they had, what, 13 potential interceptions <laughs> during that week? I mean, just find catch the ball. I th- Nick, didn't uh, Cyrus Fagan, didn't he mention that he was just going to catch balls all week? Uh, he had about <laughs> three dropped interceptions. It's um, well, you it, know, you know what the old saying is. It's hmm. that defensive backs are wide receivers that can't catch. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's why Ontario Wilson got moved to receiver because yeah, he could catch. absolutely. <laughs> no, I mean, and Akeem Dent has been hovering around the ball. I mean, he's a real ball hawk. He's going to get one one of these days. There's he's got about, no hands. So there's <laughs> been three or four that have, but it, you know, it's been one of those plays when you expect a wide receiver to catch it, and it's a split second decision or a split second read rather whether you can you can actually attempt an interception. At that point, and it just kind of goes through his hands, but he's going to get one of them. What's the big? What's the big thing that Florida State can do in this by a week to at least make the game manageable? Because the last time Florida State went to Clemson, they were in it in the first half. Well, you need to think about the mentality that this team must have after beating an ACC opponent by a couple of touchdowns. You lose this game against NC State, you're going into a bye week, and you're knowing that you're going to have to go to Death Valley and face Clemson and try to rebound off of that. And not only are you uh, two and three instead of three and two, you know. You know, trying to rebound after going under 500 is probably one of the more tasking things in any college sport. So, you know, it's it's really one of those things that it's a mental thing for this team. You need to ride into the bye week with some confidence, have another great practice. Great practice is what's going to bring this team to the promised land. And Clemson is not impenetrable. You know, I think North Carolina showed us that this past weekend. 
that that game was at home though for for UNC, so that that is a factor. But Gary, let's look at the Clemson Florida State game. Florida State needs to play with some pride because they got run out of the gym fifty nine to ten last year. Yeah, that was ugly to say the least, really. But for Florida State going into that next week, it's it's really like which battle do you choose to try and stop? Because if you try and stop the run game, if you focus on that, they're just going to go in the air. If you try and stop the pass game, NTN's going to run it down your throat the whole game. It's where do you want to lose your battles? At this point, I think I would choose to stop Etienne and have Trevor Lawrence, though, because he hasn't been having the greatest of seasons thus far. Mm-hmm. And some, of, some of his interceptions have been kind of at the end of the half. Uh, not Trying really. to extend Trying those to extend plays. Play. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where the stats don't tell the full picture, but Trevor Lawrence isn't exactly the, the Heisman candidate that he was last for, season. From what I've been looking at, it almost feels like Trevor Lawrence has been playing with house money for too long, and someone's going to figure him out. He had such a great freshman year that I kind of question what his work ethic was in the offseason because if you look at it, there isn't really an improvement. If anything, he's he's in that sophomore slump. Yeah, I was just about to say that. I mean, this is your stereotypical sophomore slump. This is somebody that's saying, okay, I had a great freshman season. Everything's going to go swimmingly. We have the best team in the country. And then it's like maybe it's a lack of preparation. Maybe it's an ego. It could be a whole n- uh, number of things. But uh, he's just not playing as great as he should be. Speaking of slumps, Christian, uh, Ricky Aguayo has been in quite a bit of a slump. He missed another field goal this weekend, uh, missed an extra point that eventually was overturned because of leaping, but it was not good. What 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 do you think of the, the kicking situation coming up? There, I mean, there is going to be a battle. Yeah, they put in Parker uh, Grothaus towards, the, I think it was the second half they put him in. I mean, that I mean, it took a while for them to do that. I mean, this guy, he was the highest recruit, uh, highest kicker recruit that Florida State got in the entire country. So, I mean, this guy has talent. Parker, he is a, like, he is a kicker. So, I mean, like, this shows that, I mean, Aguayo, he is a captain for the special teams. But this puts into question, like, is his leadership – he needs to show that he can actually not only lead this team, but he got he has to show it as well. It's it's a little bit unfortunate because you look at you look at Growthhouse, he, he is a walk-on. Ricky Aguayo was the guy for four years. His brother was the guy as well. And he is taking that step back. You said he's the special teams captain. That's true. Previously, they had Logan Tower to fall back on if Ricky started getting out of whack. Logan Tower is probably his career at Florida State is over. Um, I, I would I would say Tommy, Tommy Martin. Tommy yeah. Martin has Tommy Martin is uh, has earned earned the the kick, the punting spot. I mean, he had one shank, but uh, this past weekend, but he he has earned it. When you look at Ricky, this is going to be really interesting. What they decide to do um, coming into the week, they've got a whole another week uh, to to go up against uh, each other in the bye week. Gary, is this a worrisome thing? Because Florida State will will need a kicker in these pivotal moments going down the season. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's concerning, to say at least, really. But Ricky's just got to stop talking to his brother, probably. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that, might, that might just be the fix that right there. I don't know cursed. how often he possibly talks with him, but... It's good. For, it's this is great for Ricky. Honestly, he needs somebody to come in. He needs and, competition. Yeah, someone needs <laughs> to light a fire under him, and so he can get going because he hasn't been. He's been lackadaisical, complacent, all those words. <laughs> is and and this is this is going to be something. Is Ricky the Florida State equivalent of Felipe Franks with fans? Yeah, I'd say so. That's fair with the whole turtle situation. R.I.P. <laughs> but it. Yeah, he, yeah. There's. I think it's everyone's wishy-washy on him every other week. I don't think anyone has ever been. Ex- they Ricky started his career so well against yeah. Ole Miss, going five for five, 
and ever since then, he's been a college kicker. And Florida State has a very high expectation for kickers. Graham Gano, Dustin Hopkins, Sebastian Janikowski, Roberto Aguayo. And finally, when they get a kicker who is average, Florida State starts to freak out. Ricky has not lost Florida State a game, though. And that's the one thing that you can you can look forward you can look towards and say he hasn't lost one yet, but it's getting pretty darn close. It is. I mean, and like this, unfortunately, next week I do see him starting just because. I mean, it's going to be the same situation when James Blackman played amazing. What was it against NC State, and then the week yeah. after they still started Francois. It's the same exact thing where like they're going to start Ricky just because of his history, just because of the the stuff that he has with like the emotion that he has with this team. Well, we're going to head to break. Uh, You're listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. I would walk the earth to see you smile. Push back the sky and the stars to light my way. the storm that's before me that I am in a hurry to see you I have no time for sleeping when it's love that is keeping me true hurry back home I could no longer be in the storm hurry home Now we'll head over to Scott Clemens in the booth for your Seminole segment. Good evening, everybody. This is Scott Clemens with your Tomahawk Talk Seminole segment. And we start off today with a close finish in New York on Sunday as Florida State's women's soccer team squeezed one out of the orange in Syracuse by a final score of one nothing. Florida State dominated the game offensively, controlling the ball for 70% of the game. The only goal of the game, however, came from star forward Dana Castellanos with Yuji Zhao on the assist. This marks a team-leading seven goals from Castellanos, who continues her impressive form this season. Florida State's defense was also impressive in this game, recording their fifth shutout of the season behind goalie Brooke Bollinger, who has not allowed a goal in 281 minutes this season. Mark Krikorian's team will play again on Sunday, facing off against the Pitt Panthers at 1 o'clock in Tallahassee and also on the ACC Network. Florida State's volleyball team also had a great weekend, completing a road sweep of the Wake Forest Demon Deacons in Winston-Salem on Sunday. The 23rd-ranked Seminoles struggled in the first set before pulling away with a final score of 25-19 and never looked back. The Seminoles were impressive on defense, recording 10 blocks and 38 kills against the Demon Deacons. This marks the fifth time in 11 matches this season where the Knolls have reached double-digit blocks, with Taryn Nuth leading the team with seven, with seven blocks. Peyton Caffrey also played well, adding two blocks with eight digs and a team-high 13 kills in a match. Volleyball will return to Tallahassee on Friday night as FSU will face the Virginia Cavaliers at 6.30 in Tully Gym. That's all for today's Seminole segment. Now back to Luke Fay and Gary Putnick in the studio. Thanks, Scott. Really appreciate it. We're going to move on from Florida State football to their next opponent, 
Uh, Florida State's going to be in a bye week. But Clemson versus UNC was a very interesting game. I know that Nick and I, when we were in the press box, we were glued to our seats watching the finish of that. Uh, UNC had come back. They were down 21-14 to in the final minutes and got to the goal line, a couple of reviews, finally punch it in, and they decide to go for two. Nick, what do you think of the call by the the new coach for UNC, Mac Brown? Well, which part of it? The call, the, the decision to go for one or two or the actual playmaking? I, give, uh, give me everything. Uh, I mean, I would have... I would have probably gone for overtime, first of all, and I think that the play call, the play call, it it could have been better. But as you were saying before the show, the wide receiver on that right side didn't block anybody. No one. Nobody. Uh, so I mean, the play probably could have gone better than the final product show. But I think you play for overtime in that situation. I don't play for overtime when you're going up against the number one team in the nation, or then the number one team in the nation. You got to take your chance, try and slay the Giant, and get out of there and not try and spend any more time on that field with them. Christian, yeah. what do you think of the uh, the idea to go for two, given usually you go for two on the road in, in that t- situation? They were at home and decided to go for two, roll the dice, and try to beat the number one team in the country. I mean, I agree with Gary. I mean, you want to get out of there as soon as possible. If it's, a, if it's the number one ranked team, you punch for two. I mean, that play was just... It collapsed real quick. It just wasn't good. It did not look good at all. But I would I would have called that every single time. I want to go back to Willie Taggart and what he always says at his, his post-game press conferences. We didn't execute all right. We, we didn't execute very well. And that play, I think, was an all right call. No one executed. No one blocked. <laughs> there wasn't no uh, tight end popped out to give another option to Sam Howe. It was... It, it almost looked like the Three Stooges out there trying to run a play. I like the call. I like going for two. Try to win the game because, you know, odds are you, you even give Clemson a chance to try to drive down the field with a minute left and kick a game-winning field goal. There was still, even if even if they get that, there's still a chance that Clemson would end up winning the game. But you, you got to roll with it. The team was not as talented as Clemson. They stuck with it. They fought. They fought, fought, fought really hard. I just I, I don't think that they executed the play very good. And if you look at Mac Brown and, and what he's done with that program, it's almost shocking to say that you you could you could point out and say that UNC might be a better program right now than Florida State. You could say that, but it's what it's gonna come down to the recruiting classes down the line. I wanna see how Mac does in a full recruiting cycle. I wanna see how that all continues. Because he did pull Sam Howell away from Florida State. We all have talked about that. <laughs> we all know where we all stand. But it's it's just going to come down to how he can recruit because if he can continue to pull guys away from big, other big schools, maybe he's building something there. Yeah, I mean, it's only, it's only been a couple of weeks, but this is, in the grand scheme of things, this is a small sample size for Mac Brown. Uh, sure, he's got a great quarterback. It's a little bit depressing seeing Sam Howell go and beat Miami and almost beat Clemson. You imagine what Nick, he would look like in a Seminole jersey and you say, oh, my goodness. I want to say, say this is – it, it shows how easy it is to turn around a program when you have a quarterback that can make plays. He may not he may not be there yet, but Sam Howell can make plays, and he is big. As a true freshman. It sounds like you're saying Hornybrook can't make plays. <laughs> why do you, Why does Hornybrook have to be a part of this, Gary? Yeah. I mean, he, you were talking about programs that are turning around are in transitional phases, and he's like, it helps when you have a quarterback who can make plays. Yeah, but Hornibrook did I did plays. I mention Hornybrook in any part of that in, sentence? He was implying Hornybrook. Okay. Well, I I was just Im- implying in 
in in the whole realm. You got to look at Sam Howell. He's a young gun. Hornybrook's career is over after this game. He's probably going to go into accounting or whatever. Uh, but Sam Howell has a future in football. He does. And yeah. Florida State, unfortunately, just given the lack of execution on the recruiting trail, uh, where it was unable to to get him. Well, well let, I mean, most of that was Walt Bell, but yeah, um, we can we can point fingers all day. I, yeah. I agree. <laughs> let's let, let's move on to the Ohio State Nebraska game, which College Game Day went to for no reason. <laughs> that just shows how bad the landscape was. College Game Day going to a Nebraska Ohio State game. I know that Nebraska. I don't. I don't even remember if they've ever had game day. It, looking, they said it was like a long time since oh, they since the they've 90s. been there. Yeah, yeah right? it's been a while. <laughs> At the inception of game day, and boy, <laughs> did they not deserve the game. Ohio State ran them out of the water. It ended up being forty-eight to seven. There was no chance. I mean, uh, Nebraska just turned over the ball too many times. And coming out of this game, I I thought maybe that they can keep it close. I gotta I gotta go and say. If you if you look at it, Ohio State is the best team in the country right now. I agree. I think from what I've seen, well, actually, I don't know. I think you can make a case for maybe Auburn being the best team in the country. Oh, think, come on. Look at the schedule uh, that they've played. Gary, look that's almost schedule. worse they, than saying that Ohio State's the best team in the country okay, right now. No, oh, no, okay. come on. Who, okay, who's played a tougher schedule than Auburn right now? Who? Well, they, had, they played you, or they played Oregon in a neutral site, and then they well, kind of not really a neutral site. It was more of an Auburn crowd. And then they played at Texas A&M. Who's played tougher schedule so far this year? Uh, maybe L- I mean LSU. See, I don't think Texas A&M is are, all that good. Yeah, Texas A&M ain't, ain't no, very still, good. You're, I still think they're a fair opponent. The, num- the number better. next to their name, you know, in the AP poll doesn't necessarily suggest that Auburn, they're good. Auburn's that type of team that'll play Georgia and lose by forty-five. Like well, we'll they, see, they we'll see this week. I, we'll I think that they're they're fake. I think they're fake. You don't, okay, so okay, so that point's completely out the window now. So, I don't, <laughs> so where do we go from there? So it's either Ohio State, Alabama, or Clemson. Those are the three. I mean, give me Ohio State, Oklahoma. Okay, J- yeah, Jalen's been playing well so far, but who have they played really? I, I, I don't I don't care. I, I think they are the best team in the country. Okay. Based off statistics, I mean, Oklahoma is projected to be the first team to go into the playoffs. They're like literally they they showed a projection. It was Oklahoma. It was Alabama and then Clemson for for chances to make the playoffs. Well, that just shows how you know bad the Big Twelve is. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I mean, they're gonna have to. I don't think they played Texas yet, have they? Uh, no, they, but they no. they are they are going to have to play Texas. Twice. And I think aren't they gonna have to play Oklahoma State? Uh, yes, they. Will, That's gonna I be. Assume. I think. Yeah, I think yeah, that'll be a tough. I think. I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think that'll be a. So, pretty so tough the trials game. and tribulations are coming for Oklahoma, and we will see. Mm-hmm. You know how they perform when that time comes. But right now, I think Jalen Hurts is leading his team perfectly. He has a chip on his shoulder. He doesn't want to be the guy remembered as the guy that got replaced by Tua. He so does not want that. He's playing better than Tua right now. So Oklahoma is your number one team in the yes. country, Christian. I, I say Oklahoma as well. Uh, I'm with that. I'm I'm all on the Ohio State train. They just they look unstoppable. I was just throwing Auburn out there just to see what everyone just to feel through. I don't actually think Auburn's the best team in the nation. I was just saying you can make a point for them. You can make a point. I'm just gonna still stick with Alabama as the number one team. They got they got moved up this week. What Nick, I see you shaking your head. No, you don't no, like, no, no, you, no, no. Brandon, like Brandon was saying LSU I, in the back I, I of the studio. LSU, I think I, that's a good. I, I think like that LSU I like well. LSU. I, no, I like LSU as well, but they're not. They're not. No, they are not. The they're not. I think they're country. number. They're up there, number two or three. I, I don't know. I. That 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 is a good point, but how about this, guys? What about uh, what about Wake Forest? 
Ooh. What? <laughs> wait, okay, wait, wait for okay, Wake Forest has a great football team this year. They, are, they, they have a great, great football, football team, team this year. Five and zero for the first time since two thousand and six. We we got to give a little round of applause for Wake Forest. Yes. Man. You yeah. know, Wake Forest. Not just a basketball school. How many of you actually know where Wake Forest is? Uh, Winston Salem. Is it North or South Carolina? North Carolina. Oh, come on. Uh, that was a dig. That was a dig. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, but Wake Forest looks good this Anyways, year. Wake Wake Forest is a great great football team. Uh, they they haven't played the best schedule yet, but you know they they've they've got a good football team this year. Can you make a case for them being the number one team? No. Oh my god, no, no. It's, I think if Wake Forest goes undefeated, was there a nuclear bomb on some half of the country, Gary, that wiped out half the teams? Because if, that would be if, the only yet. case. If, if Wake Forest goes undefeated, I don't think they make the college football playoff just uh, off of name. If Wake Forest goes undefeated, they're going to get the UCF treatment harder than UCF. Did. <laughs> yeah, I know. Same colors. Uh, anyways, <laughs> guys, guys. They'll pray. This, I didn't likes. know that this was going to be a just a Wake Forest. Hate, hate group here, but you know. I've been saying that Wake Forest has been great think, for the past five minutes. I don't Luke. think anyone's ever said I hate Wake Forest. Just saying they're not the best team yeah. in the country. Okay. Yeah, I think it's just uh, I don't Fair. do people really care for Wake Forest is a real question. <laughs> Anyways, okay, well let's let's move on, guys. We've got about mm, 15 minutes left, and the the top story that broke today was that the Fair Pay to Play Act, which California came up with. It is it is a way in order for athletes to get money to play sports. It was finally signed into law in front of LeBron James. I don't know how they are. LeBron just gets into all these social things. He didn't even um, go to college. <laughs> he's still good. I didn't. Think, I kind of forgot that one. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think he's looking out for his kids. Uh, yeah. What, what a dig. Uh, that that was kind of a. a but it, it's a great. I think it's a really good. Um, a really good step forward. And the biggest thing about this is it, the the law, what it ends up doing is it creates new compensation options for NCAA student-athletes. What it will do is it will go into effect January of 2023, and it doesn't require schools to pay them as employees. What it does is it allows other, te- or other endorsements to come their way. The big thing about this law is you can't be an Under Armour athlete at an Under Armour school and wear Nike shoes. That's the one thing where they set the line. But... It's going to be a problem for the NCA down the road, and a lot of other schools are trying to jump onto this train. That's why they've given a three-year window to figure these things out. Do you think that this will end up changing college football? Absolutely. I love this so, so much. This has been such a long time coming, and I'm a little upset that we're going to have to wait four years in order for this law to actually get into effect. If there's anything that being in sports has showed me, it's that there is more to these players, there's more to these people than the four or five hours that we'll see on a Saturday or even a Sunday for basketball. It could be any other day of the week. There's more to these players, there's more to these people. There's hours, hundreds of hours put in in high school, middle school, in in the you know the library there's so much time and energy that they put into just being a student athlete that they need some type of compensation and I'm not even going to beat around the bush. A lot of these players do come from a, an ethnic background, whether it's Hispanic, whether it's a colored household. They deserve to have some type of compensation that isn't a, a, a do or die type of situation of I need to make it to the NBA. I need to make it to the NFL. I need to make it to the NHL. Uh so on and so forth. So, I mean, I love this so, so much. And it, I hope that it does change the landscape of, of college sports. Gary, do you think that this will cause athletes to not jump ship in three years, stay four years or, or more? Perhaps. I don't think it's going to make that big of an impact. It all just depends on, like, what their situation is when they're coming in and all that. But 
Nick really took the more humanitarian worldview, and it was and that's the correct view. I agree with that. I love this. this L O V E love in all caps. <laughs> <laughs> but the one thing that this does bring us all closer to is NCAA football video games. I'm so yeah, glad. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. it's true. I don't, we're all thinking it. We're all thinking it, and it's it's coming. So someone's got to say it. And and just to give a little bit more background on it, um, college athletes will be able to hire. Um, an agent to represent them and, and still maintain that. I'm sure. I'm sure that once this gets all figured out, the NCA is going to make those agents have to go through a rigorous process if it even gets that far. But looking at it from the perspective for women, women their most marketable years in sport are in college. Dana Cassianos right now is the most marketable female athlete in the entire world, and one of the one of the uh, Serena Williams. Or did you say college athlete? No, I think athlete. In the entire world right now. Oh, that's oh, Luke. No. One in the, so- the, in the soccer just, world. In the soccer world, yes. yes. Soccer is the biggest sport in the entire world. But I wouldn't. Yes, because uh, yes, Serena but Williams. That, yes, but Serena name Williams. name four name name four other athletes that are more marketable than than her. You can go Alex Morgan, Serena Williams, Megan Rapinoe, Megan Rapinoe, yeah. Okay, I'm just I'm just saying that. I mean, if if you guys feel that way, but what I'm trying to get at is. The, that this is going to be a, a step in the right direction for women because if you look at it in the grand scheme of things, a lot of women don't go professional for their sport given that there isn't a marketability for that. But when they're in college, this is when they're performing at their highest level. This gives another option for them where you know, they can make money compared to you know the, the, the running backs making all the money. I'll give you one more name, Gabby Douglas. That's another one that I think should should be at the top of the list. But it, it definitely gives it gives them a better opportunity to to capitalize off their merchandising and off their persona uh, instead of I think one of the bigger things for women's sports it's it's Olympics and World Cups. Um, the WNBA say what you want. It's not it's not as big obviously as the NBA. Um, <laughs> Uh, women's soccer isn't necessarily as big as it should be. It's on the rise, definitely. But uh, I think it's really going to give women a chance. As you said, it's it's going to be great for them to capitalize uh, off you know their persona. Christian, what are your uh, thoughts? I mean, also, I mean, you got to look at Simone Biles. I mean, she's Simone also Biles, she, yeah. she's also a big one that like especially during the Olympic times next year. I mean, it's going to be big. But I mean, this is this is per. I mean, I'm I'm all for this bill. I know last week you guys or a few weeks ago you guys were talking about it with Tim Tebow and all stuff like that. I mean, mm-hmm. these players you're expecting them to go to a four year college. Some of them don't go for four years, but it's like four year college. After that, you're like, oh, thanks for your service, thanks for winning us a few games. See ya. Do whatever you're doing. It's like, I mean, you need to show these kids that like you're playing a sport. You're giving your body. You're giving your time, your effort, your, the time that you could be studying for something else to go make more money in a profession that you can go into, like business or or marketing or anything like that, and make money for it. But instead, you're trying to like play the sport that you love, the sport you grew up playing. So yeah, give them the money. Say you are an athlete. You can do something that no one else can do. Let's give you. Let's let's pay you for it. Gary, what what do you is is this good for the sport? For uh, the athletes in the sport, yes, but for possibly the like the schools and around them, and how <coughs> coaches can recruit players, no. Like depending on how many uh, states pick up this, or if it doesn't even become a na- like it possibly could become a national law, maybe. And and the thing the thing surrounding it is the NCA is saying you won't be able to play in any of our tournaments if yes. this upholds, but. Really, if you say that to USC and UCLA, that's the biggest hit. Mm-hmm. That is the West Coast. And the big thing is why they made it three years is for other schools to hop on. Florida is one of those top 
uh, states. If a couple of them hop on, I don't think that uh, I don't think that they could make another section that isn't the NCAA. But that's a huge problem. Well, yeah, I was gonna say, what if out the state of Alabama, the state of Florida, South Carolina, and North Carolina all jump on? Texas. Texas. If well, Texas goes I, on, then I think it's. Even yeah. if you just say North Carolina, that takes out Duke basketball, North Carolina basketball, NC State basketball. It just takes out a lot of basketball schools as well. So like, and also <coughs> back to the recruiting aspect, it could hurt a lot of schools in terms of recruiting. Like, say there's schools in whatever state that can, don't have these laws in place, mm-hmm. and the recruits choosing between your uh, your school in one state and that doesn't have this law and the school that does have that law in their state, the school they're gonna pick the school that they can get paid. Guys, where can this go wrong? Well, I think Gary just spelled it out. You know, it could drastically, I'm not going to say drastically, let me take that back. It could change the balance in terms of what schools are primary uh, recruiting uh, targets for a lot of these a lot of these players coming out of high school. It could definitely shift the balance depending on which states enact the bill, they take the bill uh, or not. So that's really the only bad side effect that I can see from this because as from my humanitarian's per, uh, perspective, this is great for the players. This is fantastic for the people that they are. It's fantastic for their families. And uh, it's it's time that college football stopped, or not college football, but college sports stopped being such a, uh, uh, I'm trying to find the right word for it, but just, uh, I guess, a dic- dictatorship. Yeah, yeah no. Um, yeah. Do, you, do you think that this is going to make it easier for, for boosters to cheat? Well, that's an interesting question. Yeah, yeah I, 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 think it, think. I think it for sure does, because you could be like, we'll give you this on top of that on what you're going to be getting already. Because you're getting an endorse, you can get an endorsement from a company you can't tell me that a booster can have a company, can be a, uh, own yeah, a sporting like goods say, store and say, well, you know, I'll give you this if you come to this. Yeah, school. like they could, yeah, they can guarantee sponsorships like out of, in their recruiting bids. And they, is that okay? I mean, by the law, technically, yes. But in terms of fairness of recruiting, it's only going to be the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. That's how it's going to be. I mean, and also I'm going to go the like the aspect of college students. I mean, money sometimes leads to bad decisions. I mean, that's the downfall of it. I mean, look, if you start getting money, mm-hmm. those clubs, you're going to start going to a lot of them, spend money, and then that leads to poor decisions. Getting also. getting involved in wrong people. And, I mean, we've seen Antonio Callaway do that with Florida, um, not trying to bash him, but that, that was one of those guys who got in with the wrong people, got a certain amount of money favors. Yeah, extremely and could, talented, it, too. It, one of the, one of the <laughs> he was the best player on the team. And now you're going to say, well, what if this becomes legal? How many other people who weren't susceptible before are going to not be able to control their vices? Speaking of not being able to control vices, let's, let's jump on the Vontez Perfect uh, train. For those of you who do not know, Vontez Perfect, he got, uh, he got suspended again for a helmet-to-helmet hit on Jack Doyle of the Colts, I believe it was the Indianapolis Colts, Mm, and he has a long list of getting fined, suspended. It goes back all the way to 2013, unnecessary roughnesses, uh, multiple helmet-to-helmet hits, leg stomps. He's been suspended. Now, looking at it, this is going to be his fourth time overall, uh, fined over $200,000, actually over $300,000. Is this the right step for the NFL where – Prior, they they don't do any actions on domestic violence for a number of years. Give the four game, eight game suspensions. Now, Vontez Perfect, who is a foot, this is a football player. His off the field issues do not. He, he does not have off the field issues, from what we know. It's on the field. Is that good that they're valuing the on the field over the off the field issues? 
Well, you're I'm, you're fishing for a point, and I'm just going to give it to you. They need to evaluate both equally, uh, because sure, player safety is at you know it's an it's an ultimately it's the biggest concern for for the NFL. But domestically, all the things that have happened, Tyreek Hill, um, not we've much, talked about him so many so times. much. Yeah, um, Kareem Hunt, uh, obviously the Chiefs definitely have issues when it comes to those. <laughs> Ray Rice, mm. you need to be able to control off the field too. And you, you can't, you know, have your cake and eat it, too. You need to control both equally. And, you know, this is this is the right way for the NFL. They needed to punish perfect. Yeah. Is I this mean, the right step? I, I think it is. I mean, you uh, it's all about accountability. You can't, like, go into this league, like, just doing whatever you want, injuring any player you want. I mean, there's there's rules. There's techniques to everything. And I just – I agree with this. Do you blame Gruden for for causing this, bringing in Vontez Perfect, bringing Antonio Brown? Can he not evaluate – player talent versus what they bring either off the field with Antonio Brown and on the field with Vontez Burfitt. I think he just wanted to bring in people that were like exuded the Raider way. I think Vontez Burfitt yeah. exudes that kind of mentality, <laughs> that hard-hitting. But football hard- isn't played that know, way anymore. I know, but but do you think John Gruden knows that? John Gruden's stuck Yeah, John Gruden, I don't think, really cares. Yeah, exactly. True. Exactly. Yeah, John Gruden is stuck in that old, hard-hitting football, hard-nosed, cowboy collar. Knock on wood if you're with mentality. me. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So that I mean, this he seemed like the right fit in the John Gruden system. I was like, once he signed, I was like, yeah, I that makes I sense. could see. I, I saw it as well. And when I saw the hit, I thought to myself, eh, it will get suspended three games or four. I I'm very surprised. I see the reasoning for suspending the whole season, but wow, that is a I'm big step. I'm that is a really big step. Yeah. It is. That's it, this is setting a precedent, guys. I mean, you saw the hit, Luke. I mean, Jack Doyle had his knee down. I mean, and this was about a couple of strides before Vontez Perfect got to him and hit him straight in the head. Vontez Perfect could have dodged him. He mm-hmm. could have slowed down. He could have gone around him. him. He could have just touched him. He tried to send Jack Doyle to an early grave. Like Jack Doyle was trying to see Jesus early. <laughs> like that. Oh, that boy. hit. That hit was just totally uncalled for. Probably one of the more vicious hits that uh, I've seen uh, since I've been I, watching the NFL. Well, Nick, I, I know that you've been the baseball beat guy for Florida State for, for a number of months. Yeah. And you know what? When you came in the studio, when Chris Camacho, who's coming back, mm-hmm. came in the studio, Luke Hazen, Gary Putnick, I said, we are doing baseball tonight, and we've got three minutes of baseball action headed for you. The AL wild card race. Oakland, not the Raiders, versus the Tampa Bay Rays. Gary, take it away for us. So this is actually the second of the wild card games. The first wild card game, the NL wild card game between the Milwaukee Brewers and the Washington Nationals will be tomorrow night. And that's gonna be that's gonna be a good game, kind of not really. I don't know. I think the Brewers come into the game kind of the lackluster team. The the Nationals, on the other hand, come in winning ten of their last eleven. The last time the Nationals lost a baseball game was September 22nd to the Miami Marlins. <laughs> yeah. So they're hot right now. They're the hot hand. And if you're a betting man, it probably might be a good idea to be looking towards the Nationals. Well, Gary, I want to I hear about the Tampa Bay Rays. That's our market. That is our market. Let's. If you're looking at them, these are two of the better teams in baseball and could you say that the wild card could win the World Series this year? Just run the table, Marlins there's style. There's a chance. Yeah, <laughs> speaking from a Marlins perspective, never, Marlins never won a division, only won the two World Series via wild cards. But they, I, 
yeah, both of these teams can win. I don't know, Christian, I don't know what you've seen out of both of these teams. What do you think on it? I mean, me personally, I really think the Rays have this game just because they are the middle child of the AL East. They mm-hmm. literally do not get recognized. They are still that team that just powers through. They get those wins that they need, and I think they're hungry to, to win. You take a look at these two teams. The Rays have the tougher division. They've had the tougher schedule. Uh, really, uh, the better athletics, pitching, better too, pitching. Yeah. The only the Athletics have had to deal with the Astros in that division. But with that being said, I don't trust the Rays. I don't trust the Rays. I think the Rays are going to be the next Tampa team to disappoint that fan base entirely. I see Sebastian giving me a, uh, a hey, gesture. but but here, here's the thing. Gestures. Here's the thing, though. I believe that this game is going to be decided in the ninth inning. This, these are two it's clubs. Gonna be an extremely it's going to be game. a lo- it's low. I think it's going to be a low scoring game decided in the ninth inning. This is a game that I want to watch. And Chris, coming from the West Coast, how's it going to be for the Rays trying to go from Tampa Bay all the way over to where where they're they're over in Oakland? Oakland. Yeah, Oakland, correct in Northern yeah. California. It's a little bit colder up there, but <laughs> I can tell you this. Well, I, listen. I would imagine all all teams give them, especially teams traveling cross country, get, they give themselves time to adjust. Uh, I remember mentioning when Florida State flew over to California. You know, they stayed on uh, East Coast time. So I mean, the the Rays are a very talented team, and I see them. I can see them absolutely getting past Oakland. As much as I love um, in Oakland A's, uh, yeah, in Oakland A's team, the Rays can definitely move past. Well, let's let's give predictions, guys. We've got about. 30 seconds left. Give us your predictions for both AL, uh, AL game or AL and NL wildcard games. I got Nationals 5, Brewers 2, and then I got Oakland 3, Rays 2. Um, I'm going to say that the, uh, the Nationals are going to win this game, and it's going to be 3-2 t- uh, to two against the Brewers. And then for the Rays, I think the Rays are just going to wipe them off the floor 5-0. to zero. Uh, I think national, Nationals are going to beat Milwaukee. Milwaukee really isn't anything without Christian Yelich. I mean, they've been playing well, but they're not the same. Uh, Nationals 5, Milwaukee 1. Uh, Tampa, Tampa Bay is going to lose to the Oakland Athletics, I think, by a score of 3-2. to two. Chris, let's let's hear your prediction before we uh I'll make it quick. I, I would have to agree. Nationals advance as uh, as do the uh, as do the Rays. I won't give score prediction. Okay. I, I got the Nationals 5-1. to one. The Rays, I'm going to steal a 3-2 to two pick. Um, I think – the the Rays are the Rays are gonna make a run. Let's 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 uh, speak it into existence. Wrong. Not, ag- uh, not against what? the Yankees. Wrong. Well, thank- Rose. <laughs> they- thanks for everyone coming in in the show. I wish I could name every single person, but Luke Hazen on Twitter, Gary Putnick, my co-host. Over to my right, Christian Camacho, Christian Chavez, Nick 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 Carlisle, our producer, of course, Sebastian Angel Riano. I'm Luke Fay. This was Tomahawk Talk. Live on WVFS, Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. New release is up next. Thanks for joining us.